A lot of people are watching along with us. Things are going to be taken a lot further. It does keep the flow really, really nicely, which makes it a show that was really ahead of its time. Where's that petrified eyeball at now? Who's had it last? Macy is amazing, and she doesn't care about what other people think about her. Don't you feel like maybe Dodie represents the instinctive animal ugly part of us? I might have just been having a bad day when I gave it the math. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to We're In Between, the podcast that discusses an episode of As Told by Ginger once a week, almost every week. We did take one week off, and uh, we are now back with the episode Family Therapy. This is our episode 32 and episode 33 of the show. So right before we discuss about this week's episode, we have a lot of comments to read. So uh, let's start things off with Lunatic Lake that we had with uh, Eric Malinsky, who was one of the storyboard artists on the episode. And uh, let's start things off with the Old School Lang YouTube channel. Uh, we have one from G. Ruedas. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And um, this person says, As an after-school program counselor, I understand why Dodie's so high-strung in this episode. Not only is she in charge of coordinating the camping trip, she also has to chaperone Ginger, Carl, and Macy. So she's responsible for not only keeping Dodie and Hoodsy safe, but other kids safe. Um, I manage a classroom of 25 kids who are around the character's age, and it can be stressful having them in your line of sight, making sure that everything's going according to plan and ensuring their safety. Even if Joanne doesn't see eye-to-eye with Carl, she shows her concern for the boys by going out in the middle of the night sick as a dog, growing more and more angry. While she could be grating, she demonstrates some compassion for Carl. Yeah, I think this is a fair analysis, and it was great to hear from somebody on the side of someone who has to take care of kids, because we all, I think, are quick to villainize Joanne, and she's not the most likable character, of course, but it was great to get this perspective on the character, and there was a good conversation in the comments that I'm looking at as well. Yes. Uh, we have a comment from Theater Raven, and this person says, This is one of my favorite episodes. It has layers of comedy that cascade over each other beautifully. It's wonderful enough to imagine the high-strung Joanne vacationing in the woods, but putting her in charge of Ginger and the gang is just great, especially since she can't stand Carl. But then adding in Crazy Floyd was just the cherry on top. The idea of an escaped mental patient hiding out in a remote place in a, is a classic urban legend trope to the point where it seems cliche in less skilled hands but the writer in this episode handled it very well i love that crazy floyd confronted him to get his dog back when he has been searching out in the woods for hours everyone is sleep deprived and emotionally frayed joanne had been constantly throwing up from food poisoning and then from the woods comes out crazy floyd declaring you had her long enough where's princess esmeralda absolutely amazing i give this episode a super yay but then we have some people who didn't really like this episode. We have a comment from No Parking Barry, and he says, It was awesome that you were able to get Mr. Malinsky on the podcast. Seriously, Patricia, it's stuff like this. Why, Frederator must allow you to do 107 facts on the show. And first of all, thank you so much. Um, as for the episode of discussion, why the heck was this nominated for an Emmy over losing Nana Bishop? And that's with, <laughs> that's with like, bold letters, 
all caps, all that stuff, you know. Uh, of the few episodes that focus on the Bishop family, this is easily my least favorite. Losing Nana Bishop and even uh, an episode that we'll talk about later on are easily top 10 material for me as far as favorite Ginger episodes go. Lunatic Lake, on the other hand, while it does have its share of good moments like Crazy Floyd and Lois's one-liners and Macy throwing the bucket at Joanne, was pretty dang annoying. While I hate Joanne slightly less than her hell spawn of a daughter, I still say she was uh, she was at her absolute worst in this episode thanks to her nagging and rotten treatment towards poor Carl. Speaking of her daughter, Dodie wasn't immune to tick me <coughs> off in this episode either with the way she blamed Carl for ruining their trip. I know that she apologizes to Ginger for that, but I don't give a frig. I'm going to give this episode a nay. At the very best, I give it a meh. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of variety on this one. We don't usually get such polarized reactions, so it's Oh, no, trust me, wait two more episodes. We will get that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we have one from Maria Santiago, and she says, I truly found this to be the scariest episode of As Told by Ginger. The lunatic in the woods at night combined with the extreme erratic behavior of Joanne Bishop was made for a quite unsettling episode. As for the true lunatic was Crazy Floyd or Joanne, I got the sense that Joanne was actually the more unstable and scary character and that seems evident throughout the entire episode after all it was Joanne covered in syrup that ended up scaring crazy Floyd away all right uh, let's go over to our next episode which was April's Fools and that was the April Fool's Day episode um, and we have a comment from Sonny's Royal Skipper and this person says, This episode reminds me of the Pepper Ann episode about pranks. Although the pranks are different, the basic idea that one person is taking it too far, causing the other person to band together to prank the other prankster and teach a person a lesson. I would love to compare As Told by Ginger to Pepper Ann. I made this comment on your As Told by Ginger is underrated video, but I'd like to rehash a few points I made there. They're both shows that have 12 female redhead protagonists named after Spices. They're both slice of life cartoons. They both have single working mothers and younger siblings that don't have much in common but still love them both deal with issues that kids of that age would face such as kissing school photos school problems issues with friends and family including being children of divorced parents and that their dad is not much around and dealing with holidays and special occasions both shows also talk about very serious issues uh, like death cultural insensitivity etc However, the two shows are very different, with Pepper Ann being more lighthearted and generally not being sequential or having too much continuity. Um, I could go on and on, but bringing up the specific episodes where the two discuss similar topics and comparing them, or talk about how Pepper Ann tends to wrap up her, in her issues in one episode and rarely goes as deep as Ginger, or how Ginger isn't as humor-driven as Pepper Ann and Ponder, if some of these differences from the shows being on different networks but i'll just leave it as now I'll, I'll leave it for now as an idea that i would love to explore myself or see explored by someone who loves cartoons from that era as much as i do i think it'll be a really interesting idea to compare and contrast two shows that are very similar in a lot of ways but distinct p.s i love this series and i think you guys are doing an awesome job i know it's a lot of work and i for one really really appreciate it well thank you very much it's uh it's, it doesn't even feel like work for me. It's just great catching up on this great show and watching it all in order. Yeah, absolutely. And don't I've gotten so many requests from people 
that they want me to compare as uh, as told by ginger to pepper in and even a few comments about they want me to compare as told by ginger to brace face so yeah maybe sometime in the future i will but in the meantime um yeah i'll definitely put that in the back burner Okay, so uh, we have a comment from Jason, and he says, I will have to agree with the meh. The episode is not very memorable in my eyes. Also, I thought that the two plots were very similar, as they were both about a Foutley attempting to uh, to write an April Fool's Day prank that went awry. Also, I thought it was very interesting to hear Carl discuss about the big guy upstairs when having an introspect look at himself and his decisions that lead him up to the landfill. It's interesting to see Carl discuss about the idea of the big guy upstairs and how it relates to the actions he makes. It's a nice piece of continuity. All in all, great podcast once again. Okay, finally, we have one from That Miss Quinn, and uh, she says, This is one of my least favorite episodes. I'm going to give it a meh. The tone is so odd for the show. Dustin was a hipster before hipsters existed. <laughs> That's so funny. I uh, have thought similar things about uh, episodes coming up, so that's hilarious. Yeah, uh, and it, I guess it depends on what you define as hipster. If you're talking about, like, modern hipster, sure, but they've always been hipsters. So, um, but yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from, that Miss Quinn. All right, now, as mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, comments being polarizing by the episodes. Oh boy, we have a lot of polarizing comments about Miss Foutley's boys that we discussed about with Darren McGowan, who was another who was a storyboard artist on that episode. So let's read off some of the positives. Okay, so we have one from uh, Foley fan since two thousand, and this person says. Uh, this episode was pretty good. I understand where Ginger was coming from, not wanting her mother to be a load, but Buzz was not the man for her, or frankly gave any woman. This episode has some funny lines. One of my favorites was when Buzz said to Carl that he was testing cleaning products on his boys and how they were getting hives, and the little one couldn't see, and Lois replied, He's wearing a blindfold! I thought it was hilarious. I can't wait for you guys to review the next episode in Love with a tr- Proper Chance. Um, love with a proper chance for students um it's one of my favorites i enjoy listening to this episode keep them coming okay so let's read one from somebody who really didn't like this episode and it's pretty simple um we have one from heart lover 1717 and she says i'm glad we're done with this episode it's one of the most frustrating annoying irritating ah As usual, Lois is the redeeming personality. What a fantastic character she is. The best part about this episode is the ending because it shows that there is hope. Think about all the big changes Buzz made for Lois. None of those mattered as much as the little thing that Dr. Dave did, returning her insole, something she actually can use. My hero. It's great. I, I'm a big fan of Heart Lover in general. And I, I love, uh, I didn't hate the episode, but your opinion is certainly valid in this regard. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um, we have one from Esmeralda to Diamond, and she says, I can relate to this. My parents divorced when I was 10, but I grew up mostly with my dad while my mom moved to another city, but she lived not far away so I could visit. So I was a daddy's girl. When I was younger, I hated all the women that dad dated while mom found a great man nowadays i'm happy for him finding someone so as i agree you don't need to be in a relationship to be happy i mean i'm single right now and i'm happy and i want to focus more um on a relationship that'll come later 
good, uh, good advice, absolutely, Esmeralda. Okay, we have a comment from Cameron, and he actually brought up this really interesting question. Am I the only one who thinks Buzz resembles a certain politician with the same male domination mindset? Or is it just me? Oh my god, that's so this real. Me reeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bravo, Cameron, uh, bravo. You wanted to make me like Buzz even less? I didn't think it was possible, but you've accomplished it. Yes, so. congratulations. <laughs> All right, moving on to our final episode of our discussion is love with a proper transfer student. Um, And a lot of people were pointing out to me that Mambo and the Catskills is based off of the original Dirty Dancing, not Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, because Dirty Dancing takes place in Catskills and the main character's name is Johnny as as like Ronnie. So, yeah, I'm stupid. So thank you very much, everybody. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Anyway, so, um, but the, but nonetheless, guys, thank you so much. It does make a lot of sense that they would reference the original Dirty Dancing as opposed to a movie that hadn't come out yet. Um, all right, so uh, we have a comment from TV Mania Two, <coughs> and this person says this episode ex- uh, exemplifies why a lot of people hate Dodie. As you guys said, she pretty much calls dibs on Joaquin and acted like she was entitled to him just because she was the first one to vocalize her feelings for him. And there's the part that you guys skipped over when Dodie compliments Ginger's performance and says, maybe you'll get to be the ho- hotel maid who cleans my room. And then she gets upset when she gets the part and bemoans on how unglamorous it is, even though she apparently thought it was glamorous enough for Ginger, her best friend. I didn't like that the episode didn't take how Joaquin felt into consideration, kind of objectifying him and giving him no say in who he would like to go out with, and the episode tried to paint Ginger as being in the wrong for happening to have feelings for the same person that Dodie had feelings for, when really Dodie should have accepted that the fact that a guy her best friend liked more than her, and stepped aside and would have been more supportive for their relationship. Yeah, clearly this episode produced a lot of discourse. Yeah, absolutely. Since, yeah, it was a pretty, um, you know, Dodie-centric episode. So, yeah, absolutely. There was a bit of a discourse. All right. uh, We have a comment. Nicktoons United slash Trialize. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Uh, This person says, I think that the Ginger plot was kind of stupid because Ginger should have been honest with Dodie. And I don't know why Dodie started to hate Ginger for something stupid. And I made a fist about the kissing part. So in my opinion, both Ginger and Dodie have some problems. I give it a meh, what you expect to be a scumbob, nay. And and, and, if, and this person was wondering if we can call it scumbob, which I'm sorry, we cannot call things scumbob because um, I think Pie Guy Rules is the one who did scumbob, and that's for a rating Spongebob episode. So yeah, we're not talking about Spongebob, we're talking about Ginger. Um, yeah, I was wondering what that meant. Yeah, I, I think from what I remember, I, I, I think that... Um, you know, Pie Guy Rules, he does Spongebob recap episodes where he gives things either um, a good episode, a nay, and what he calls a bad episode, a scumbob. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sorry, Trialese or Trialaz, I'm sorry um, if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly again. We will not do scumbob ranks for As Told by Ginger. Nay is perfectly fine, unless Casey comes up with something else. 
I personally like the Carl and Hoodsy plot. I like the fact that Carl tries to make Ginger a test subject and Carl trying to help Ginger and Dodie being friends. The only problem I have is the spit because it's way too gross. I personally don't like Mipsy because she's Miranda 2.0, except she has one of the worst voices. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Miranda 2.0, Courtney Light, same thing, right? Yeah. And, uh, of course, um, we have a comment from Nasaya who says, I would love to have a Nickelodeon cookbook. That would be a must-buy for any Nickelodeon fan. That would be awesome, absolutely. So if anybody wants to do a Nickelodeon cookbook, then, yeah, you know, pick out um, a food from any particular Nicktoon or Nickelodeon show and, you know, have at it. I mean, there's already a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pizza cookbook, so why not a Nickelodeon cookbook? That would be awesome. I would definitely be the first person to buy it. All right, and also for a lot of people, thank you so much for all your amazing support with uh, me going through Hurricane Irma last week. Um, I was okay. Um, you know, the hurricane didn't really affect my area too much. We just have a lot of knockdown trees. Some people lost power. Some people lost water. But it's the West Coast that got it really badly. So um, for everybody who lives around that area, I give you my sincere hopes and prayers that you guys pull things through. And hopefully that li life will return back to normal for you guys. And I wish you the best of luck. All right, that should be it for comments, everybody. Thank you so much for uh, listening in. We'll definitely be reading more comments uh, in the next month or so. And uh, we have a lot of cool guests coming in uh, over the next couple of months, so please stay tuned. So in the meantime, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. This aired on May 12, 2002. The story was written by Sheila M. Anthony and Paul Greenberg, teleplay by Paul Greenberg, uh, who happens to be with us today. Hello, you guys want to say a quick, uh, quick introduction? Hi, guys. I'm Paul Greenberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best, best introduction ever. <laughs> and uh, we also have another guest with us. Uh, please introduce yourself. I'm Jackie Harris. Hi, I play Macy. Hi. Yeah, so we had uh, Jackie on the podcast a few months ago, but it's nice for her to come back, especially since this is a Macy-centric episode. Yeah, the the episode is uh, about that it's Macy's 13th birthday, and uh, unfortunately, her parents completely forget all about it. Meantime, her parents decide to throw her um, kind of like a, a surprise birthday party, but along the way, they start treating her like she's a four-year-old. And in the meantime, we have uh, Carl, Carl, who happens to be scared of a naked mole rat, and um, he slowly is having the fear consume him, and he pretty much starts affecting Hoodsy, and they decide to capture the naked mole rat right before um, the fear pretty much takes over for them. So, uh, right before we discuss about this episode, so Paul, um, how did you and Sheila come up with the story for this episode? I can't totally remember who came up with the, with the details of it, but I remember... Uh the pitch being the parents forget her birthday and that's where the jumping off point was. And then uh, I remember thinking um, the idea of two parents that are so out of touch with their kid that they don't even know really how old she is. Because the last time they really celebrated her birthday, she was probably four years old. Wow. So, uh, so that was kind of the idea of two professional parents that work a lot, that uh, have a very independent child that kind of takes care of herself. So things kind of slip away from them and uh, they almost innocently forget her birthday. And the kid, it, Macy, is so happy just to uh, 
have her birthday celebrated again, she's totally fine with the fact that they're not really sure how old she is. Well, that they're paying attention and to that, her for that the she's first getting, time in forever. Yes, that, that she's getting any kind of attention at all is just the most exciting thing in the world to Macy mm -hmm. and makes her so happy. Yeah, uh, I mean, th throughout the entire series, at this point in time, we had never seen Macy's parents. Uh, she's always talking about like, oh, they're out of town, or oh, they're just really busy with work. And um, I guess, at, you know, she's really independent for her age, absolutely. But there's also, you know, we, we even talked about this in the podcast, Jackie, about, you know, with Macy being so incredibly pure... Um, and being incredibly independent, but at the same time, she still has to conquer a lot of fears. And I guess without her parents around, she pretty much had to do everything by herself. Yeah, and the the irony that her parents, that their their profession, their job, that clearly they're successful at, is that they they fix people, they take care of people, they tell people how you know live their lives, and yet they're screwing up their own daughter so tremendously. Yeah, and I, th I, th I think it's also kind of a. Um, a known fact that uh, the craziest people are always the therapists, not the patients. Yeah. <laughs> they spend 18 years or something uh, getting their degree, and by the time they're out, they're just uh, mental cases. The idea was, you know, that they're, that her parents are even more neurotic than she is. They're the ones who could really use the therapy. Absolutely. Yeah, her thing with death that's discussed a little bit earlier. And what what I found interesting about this episode is that uh, the parents aren't jerks. A lot of the time, you know, the neglectful parents are, like, willfully mean or, like, ignorant of their child. And I these are good people, even though they've clearly made a mistake here. Well, the fact that you see that they have it, they know it's her birthday, they have it scheduled in, and they just made a mistake. Like, they, they would get around to it, but she has to be scheduled. Just knowing the Macy character, too, and how, how what a good person Macy is, you could never imagine that her parents were anything but good people, really. So, I mean, uh, she's she's just has such a pure heart and is such a uh, a good person. And, her, and you can see her parents are, too. They're just all very intelligent mm -hmm. and all very busy. They really do believe they're doing the best for their kid all the time. And also because she is so independent, they don't feel she's not somebody that's screeching out for attention. And as professionals, they know when things do happen like that. And with her, they don't they don't get that. that she's she's fine. She's even fine that they forgot it. That, you know, once once she gets the attention, I think that's what's so cute is that, you know, they're all in. They're all in, and she's loving it. She's loving the attention, and she that's why she gets a bit angry at, at uh, I almost said at Melissa, at uh, <laughs> Ginger. Paul and I had a show this week, and she, she showed up, and her baby was moving so much you could see it moving across her stomach. It was insane. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I actually saw Melissa talking about that, and um, she actually posted a picture of you guys and Liz and her husband, and you guys looked really happy. You guys looked like you had a great time. Um, that was like really oh. sweet. That that genuinely made me happy when she was talking about. Oh, it's like a, it's like an impromptu as told by Ginger reunion. It was so sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. We do that so much more often, and now it's. But you know what's great is your podcast has made all of us reconnect really because, like, I, oh that's so great to hear because i've been in touch always with liz but you know melissa 
and Liz hadn't seen each other. And Aspen and I had completely lost touch. And then we reconnected because of your podcast. I'm touched. I'm going to cry. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So you guys should uh, know that. Well, thank you. That that really <laughs> means a lot to me. That really warms my heart. Yeah, no, it's really great. Yeah, yeah, we, we've re- and we've re- Paul and I reconnected because we're <laughs> the same <laughs> That's, that's amazing. Anyway, so Casey, I guess we can talk about this episode. So yeah, I guess it begins with um, in the auditorium and Chet is announcing the birthday announcements. And um, we learned that both Mipsy and um, Macy share the same birthday. And they're both the same age. They're both 13. And it's an interesting fact that um, out of Ginger, Dodie, and Macy, Macy's the oldest. And this is pretty, I mean, when I first learned about this, I was pretty shocked because, you know, with the way that Macy would be acting, I always assumed that Macy was the youngest. But no, she's actually the oldest of the girls. And then there's talks about, uh, oh, what Mipsy's going to be having for her birthday. She's going to have karaoke and dry ice and sushi and all that stuff. Sounds really grown up. And we'll later see in the episode for Macy's party that it's the complete opposite. Well, you know what what this episode did, Patricia, is it confirmed my nickname for Mipsy. Do you remember what it was? Yes, it was Diet Courtney. Yep, or Courtney Light. (laughs) She's got all these Courtney traits, but just slightly less so. And I think the party is kind of evidence of that as well. Oh, yeah, especially with Courtney and Miranda singing the Courtney song. Yes, I was so glad we got that again. Which, um, I just want to let you know that uh, we talked to Melissa a few weeks ago on the podcast, and she said that the Courtney theme song was one of her favorites. (laughs) It's Courtney, I'm Courtney. (laughs) Who's the girl in the pink capri? It's Courtney, it's... Okay, I'm done. Well, it's great that Miranda just deadpans it off a lyric sheet, too. That was such a great choice. (laughs) Miranda needs therapy. Oh, yeah. Especially with her dad, yeah. Absolutely. Her dad being a drill sergeant, her mom, we don't know where she's at. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Paul played the um, the mole uh, expert, Professor Oh, that's Gott. right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But that was also because it's that, you know, I mean, Paul does a lot of voice work, but it's also just, you know, when he would write it, he'd read it out loud and... Eric, Eric Casimero would be like, oh, well, there you go. You have to play that. You know? <laughs> and even the design of the mole guy, I mean, you know, with the bald head and the buck teeth, it's it's like literally a mole turned into a human. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so awesome. That's That mole was so cute. And I think that, that kind of came out of an experience you had, Paul. Um, yeah, working with a rat. Yeah, we first moved here. Paul was on, uh, Jenny McCarthy had a sketch show on MTV. And Paul was on it, and it was like his first shoot day. We had just had moved to Los Angeles, and he found that he had to do a scene with a rat. And, and he was a real horrified. Live rat. He was scared. He didn't want to do it. He was freaked out. But of course, I jumped in. Yeah, and I just did it anyway. And he and came home I so came, in love with that. Rat. I loved that rat so much. By the end of the day, right. I completely <laughs> conquered my fear of, of them, and I wanted to keep them. But yeah. another crew member took him home and made him a pet. Right. And uh, but I had cats, so I don't think that would have you know, uh, mixed well. too well. Mm. But that that's what the mole rat thing, how, you know, once yeah. you get over that thing of I'm not going to be afraid of it, and you look at it in a different way, you see it's just a cute little, yeah, little rodent. Even the scariest thing appears cute to you once you get over yeah. your fears. 
A squirrel is just a rat with a furry tail. Well, I'm terrified of squirrels. Yeah, so. See, I love them. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is true that, um, you know, with Carlin Hoodsey going over to the zoo and they're seeing the mole rat on the TV and, um, you know, everybody's like freaked out by this mole rat because, you know, if you see a mole rat in real life, it's not exactly the prettiest looking creature around. It's, it's wrinkly. It has hair all over in places. It has really huge teeth. I'm sorry for anybody who grew up with Kim Possible, but naked mole rats do not look like that <laughs> any bald end kind of freaks me out sometimes like the sweetest dogs but they're a little bit like they're bald and you can see their spots on their skin and yeah hairless cats are the weirdest hairless a little cats. unsettling they freak you they freak you out a bit you got to get past it hairless people even freak yeah, me out. So yeah, um, yeah, we see that. I mean, Carl even tries to hide the fact that he was scared of the naked mole rat when it crawled up into his pants, and he was like, "Oh no, no, that was like a impromptu skit or something like that." And he was telling Blake, you know, it's all it's about the method, you know. Right. Yeah, Carl trying to cover up his true fear is actually adorable. He's always this tough guy, and he kind of has them going. And Hoodsy, I think, has an idea. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but my impulse was that Hoodsy kind of knew that Carl was really scared because he knows Carl well, but didn't want to hear him say it. Yeah, I love how he doesn't want to hear it. It's like he's breaking the, the vision, the dream of how things are. <laughs> right. Carl, uh, say it. He's like, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Carl is Hoodsy's hero. And mm -hmm. It's terrible when you see your hero up in a chair screaming like because there's a mouse up his leg. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. And you try to pretend it or that it happened on purpose. But uh, that's the great thing about those two, is they're, they're, they're a little Batman and robin -y. Yeah, absolutely. They're, yeah, I can definitely see that. Great. So going on to, um, you know, the birthday party. So um, uh, so Ginger and Dodie are waiting for Macy and they have the cake ready and everything. And then Macy calls them and says, I'm sorry, guys, but uh, my parents completely forgot about my birthday. And uh, Ginger and Dodie go over to Macy's place and Macy's like, oh, no, I don't want to bother them. Thirteen's uh, not a big deal. It's uh, it's basically a fancy way of saying 12 and 12 months. And then Ginger yeah. says, no, you have to confront your parents. Let them know that what they did was absolutely wrong. If so, if my parents forgot my 13th birthday, then, yeah, I would definitely question that. I mean, nobody likes to be neglectful of a, of a milestone birthday, whether they be like... Um, you know, 13 or 18 or 21. I mean, last year I turned 30. So, you know, uh, it was a big milestone for me. So, yeah. Well, 13 is a milestone for kids. No question. You go yeah, from... you're a teenager. You're a teenager all of a sudden. It's the big one. And it really is the big one. It really for, is. For like, none, none come close to that because that's an actual... You're a different age. You're a different person. Because once you're, you know, once you're a teenager, maybe 18 or 21, depending on where you live, is another big milestone because uh -huh. you're an adult technically. But 13 is the, you're not a child anymore. No, it's a whole and new set so of, that's, theoretically, it's a whole new set of responsibilities. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, you're not a kid. Yeah. You're it's, not a kid. You're it's a makeup, it's bras, it's grown up, it's dating. It's You're a teenager and everyone you know. fears teenagers. Yeah. You know. <laughs> exciting yeah and to be have that gotten and i think for and they blew it for macy yeah. that was a special she's, moment she's beyond heartbroken i mean what that was one of my favorite scenes to record you know because she's so um you know she's so, always so positive right 
But she's also so averse, so conflict averse that she, you know, like we said, will not bring it up to her parents until Ginger walks in <laughs> to their therapy room while they're doing couples therapy. Which is a pretty uncomfortable scene. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. It, it, and in, even before that, when Macy sets up an appointment 10 weeks from tomorrow to see her own parents, it's like, what? You gotta be kidding me. And then she kind of feels good about it because she has one on the books. So <laughs> yeah, fine with that. She's we're gonna, fine we're with gonna 10 talk. weeks from today. Yeah. But yeah, terrible. But those parents, it was Michael McKean and, um, oh, what's her name? Her name. I see her face. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me yeah. let me look it up really quick. I got the I got my notes. Uh, give me one second. Was it she talks like this, you know. Yeah, yeah. What's her name? She was on SNL. Yes, was she? Mhm. Mm oh, I'm losing my mind. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Michael McKean's now on uh, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Wait, who who on Better Call Saul? He plays. Uh, he plays the brother. The uh, oh, Chuck. Oh, gee, yeah. that's Chuck. That's who played, that's Macy's dad. His spinal tap. Really? Huh. I never knew that. Yeah. He's, he's David St. Thomas. He's a genius. Uh, he's okay, a, I got it, I got it. Um, her name is uh, Mary Gross. Yeah, Mary there you Gross. go, Mary Gross. SNL. Yeah, Mary Gross was on SNL. She was on SNL. Yeah, very funny, huh. yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so while both of them are doing their couples therapy, so Ginger comes in and she tells, um, she tells them that they forgot a very important birthday and they're assuming that, um, her mother forgot Ginger's birthday. And then she says, no, no, it's not my birthday. They forgot it. It's you. You forgot Macy's birthday. And so, um, Macy's dad pulls out, um, his uh, phone and checks on the schedule and it turns out that yeah they missed out her birthday and they're they're devastated they they feel like they're horrible parents and then when Macy comes in they approach her and they hug her and saying oh we're so sorry we'll never forget your birthday again we're gonna treat you the best way that we can and so then the next morning you know they uh, they wake, they see her while she's sleeping, they wake her up and they give her like a toddler playground and they start treating her like a four-year-old. And I, I, I kind of felt a little uncomfortable with this because, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I get that they're giving her attention and all that stuff, but the fact that they're not treating her age appropriate, especially since they're supposed to be therapists, it's kind of sad. Well, it's pretty pathetic, really. It's very it's pathetic. Sad. Yeah. Or it's lovely because obviously she hasn't had that. She didn't get that swing set. No, she's never she had a childhood with them. She I didn't think. get the footy pajamas. She's, she's having it now instead. She's having it now. She pro they probably once she was, you know They realize they've neglected her their entire yeah. lives. That she was they were modern parents and they thought she's so independent and smart she could take care of herself. And they were too busy. Mm -hmm. They had this big career. I mean, she's more than happy to take it to all in it, and enjoy to it. To get it all. I mean, she even sleeps in footy pajamas that yeah, night. Yeah, the footy pajamas and the, you know, you know, being woken up and, yeah. you know, the, it's just amazing. It's like, you know, we all kind of, you know, when you get older and even now, it's like you look back on that time and it's just so cute. So she's finally getting it. We all want to go back there. I want a bit point. of that. That's oh, why I think she sure. enjoys it in that mm. sense of like, she's basking in it, you mm -hmm. know? She's getting massively full attention. It's like those people who are too, too busy and then they go on a holiday and they spend all their time together and they, you know, play really fun, do fun stuff together. Mm -hmm. And then it's considered, which I always thought was hilarious, so retro yeah. by the... By all the <laughs> 
I mean, it's funny what's retro to a kid. And I feel like today they use they were they would the word they would use is ironic. Like they would be all hipster about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, it, we see Macy like incredibly happy. She's telling Ginger and Dodie that, you know, my parents are giving me all this attention, and we're gonna go and buy mother daughter dresses, and they even take her to like a Chuck E. Cheese like place. Yeah. Which, right. and, um, you know, and we have Ginger, who's really concerned about the way that um, Macy's parents are treating her like a toddler. And they're saying, like, you have to let them know that you're not four years old, you're 13. And, I mean, when I first saw this, I was, like, really shocked that Macy was getting incredibly assertive. This is the first time in the series in which Macy gets angry. In which she tells them, you better stay away from my, you know, my business because the way that my parents treat me is none... Is is none of your concern and i'm gonna have the party the way i want to and you can't tell me otherwise it's like wow macy go you go girl (laughs) (laughs) eats up some balloons i think yeah she even punches the balloons right yeah well i think it's probably you know before that she's finally got her strength back because she feels this support you know she's got these parents that are completely loving her and it gives her a greater confidence it's not exactly it's not which is well deserved because as we've seen in comeback little seal girl and gym class confidential and even losing anna bishop she was always the timid one but now she actually has the strength to stand up for herself and it's definitely well deserved at this point in this show the other thing about this show that i don't know if it's like this in in most you know animation time stops you know um kids don't get older Parents don't change. Nothing. Grow, you don't grow up. Once in a while, you'll advance enough. They'll introduce a baby or something. But on Ginger, uh, they made a choice right out the gate that these kids would age. And yeah, that was we aged. You know, we grew. We got into older grades. We had birthdays. Mm-hmm. We started dating. Uh, kids, you know, friends got braces. Got braces off. Um, it was a choice, and our voices aged. And you never, ever, I never like a live action show. It was like a live action show. So, because of that, the storylines would change too. It was how would they deal with this now? So, you were never caught in this, these girls are in seventh grade and this is what they experience. It's like they're in seventh grade going into eighth grade, or there was always a change. So, so that's why you would see a change in the way they would approach something that they, they characters could develop. They could experience personal growth, and and that was the amazing. That's why I think that show was so special too. Is that doesn't happen in animation? No, it's it's that's what was unique about a Soul by Ginger is yeah. it's it's really a live action sitcom. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it pretty yeah. much is. Which I I guess it makes a lot of sense that. You know, Emily uh, decided to do a lot more live action shows after Ginger, like Suburgatory and Selfie, uh, especially Suburgatory, which is basically like as told by Ginger if it was an- if it was live action, which, um, yeah, I'll definitely, you know, talk more about that in the future. But, yeah, you can definitely tell that Emily was putting in a lot of, um, you know, her writing into uh, something that hasn't been seen too much in animated shows at that point. You have to understand, this was like the early 2000s. So um, you haven't had like a story structure and character growth, at, the, especially with a Nickelodeon show at this point in time. 
um, so going into, um, you know, Carl and Hoodsy's plot. So, uh, Carl is scared of the naked mole rat and he convinces Hoodsy that this is a big deal, that the mole rat can crawl into the toilet. And, um, oh. and then Hoodsy's like really scared and he's, uh, he doesn't even use the bathroom anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yes. my favorite thing about the episode is the, is that was the based fact. on my, uh, that was based on my childhood, I think. Yeah. Fear of not going mm-hmm. to the bathroom. Yeah. 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 Hmm. What happened? The- Oh, just an experiment. See how long I could go. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's such a kid thing, though. I was interested in the human body. The incident made me not so interested in the human body after that. Yeah. And uh, it was nice to be able to mine that for a plot line. Mine it. Right. Yeah, use all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, aside from Macy, which is, I think, the best, for my money, you know, the the, the most ad- adorable, the well, best you, character on the you show. You have to say you that. Got, you, <laughs> but I do, but I also think Macy is just the most special character on the show. And uh, I love Hoodsy, too. I A lot Hoodsy of people also. love Hoodsy. I love Hoodsy. Hoodsy, Lois, and Macy are my three favorites on this show. They're the ones that I think are... In a weird way, the most far out there, but the most real. Sure. Absolutely. They're the ones with that we all, part of us, really identify with these, with these guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're they're so uh, insecure, but yet honest. not and they're honest. honest. They're honest, mm-hmm. honest I'm characters. I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. Yeah, they say no they don't hide anything. You know, <laughs> they say yeah. whatever they think. Yeah, so I guess we can start wrapping things up. So we have um, Macy's birthday party, which is at a petting zoo. And everybody is, like, really making fun of her about it at first because, oh, it's something that a four-year-old would throw. Because, you know, we saw a few minutes ago about how Mipsy's party is, like, all grown up with karaoke and sushi. And now we have Macy's party, which is at a petting zoo. And everybody's like, oh, you know, there's, you know, Chet hitting a pinata. There's you know, animals that people pet and birthday presents and candy and all that stuff. And and everybody's thinking like, oh, this is so juvenile. But then everybody's loving it. And Courtney's like, oh, Miranda, this party is so campy. And then yeah. Miranda says, who would have thought that Little Miss Ad Noise would throw something totally retro? It's actually cutting edge, which that's incredible. I mean, the, you have to understand that these are teenagers. And just like you were saying before, guys, about how you, a teenage when you're turning 13, it's an indication that you're not a little kid anymore. And the fact that they're becoming nostalgic about their toddler years or their early childhood is actually something pretty hilarious because, you know, this is something that is in right now with adults looking back on their childhood, which is just crazy. So congratulations, Macy's a trendsetter. <laughs> I will just say I'm 23 and I still love petting zoos. So just sticking up for Macy there. Whenever I go to any of the Cedar Cedar Point parks around the country, uh, my family and I make sure we hit up the petting zoo no matter what age we are. So keep doing you, Macy. Wash your hands. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, um, I guess we can. Okay, so the episode concludes with uh, Carl finally conquering his fear of capturing the naked mole rats, and um, Ginger apologizing to Macy, saying that she didn't mean for her to get into the way, and so she gives her a birthday present, and it's a T-shirt that says, "I'm a teenager, that's my problem," and that gives Macy the confidence to say, "Okay, I'm gonna sit down with my parents and tell them that I enjoyed being a child, but it's I'm 13. It's time for them to treat me like an." actual teenager and then she says okay next year we're gonna do bowling alley and so yeah that we just have this sweet moment where ginger and macy start hugging with one another and um i even love the fact that one of her birthday presents that she that macy got was a little seal girl doll which is awesome um, yeah i love that i love that i think the thing that for me when i when i rewatched the episode i think my besides you know macy's journey on it uh was it's the it's the episode where uh, you really see Ginger kind of screw up, hey. which and she screws up with the people that that she usually is the is the most uh, you know authoritative and in tune with person. She really didn't know her friend as well as she thought she knew her, and I think that was really interesting, you know, and and you know Macy surprised everybody, and I thought that was cool. That's a really good observation. I never really thought of that. So, yeah, I guess um, that's pretty much the end of our discussion of this episode. At the end of every episode, we always give a ranking of yay, nay, or meh. So, yeah, we would love to know what you guys give this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this episode was was personally my favorite on so many levels. Of course, it was was really where you get to see the 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 point of where Macy comes from. It's a deaf yay for me because yeah. I I just I just love the whole the whole every it's just too hilarious with the matching dresses and that she dives in on that and I love it. It's a big yay for me too because yeah. any any episode that features Macy for me is a fantastic and that, episode. And that Hoodsy can't has to hold in. Yeah, and Hoodsy it was <laughs> a Hoodsy Macy episode and it was like. Uh, it doesn't get any better for me. Sure. I love Mason. Uh, as for me, I do give this one a yay. It's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series, and it's my second favorite Macy episode, with the first being Come Back Little Seal Girl, because she's so amazing and awesome, and I love it. And, um, yeah, I just love the fact that Macy is... We see a different perspective of Macy. We see Macy's family. We see the treatment that she gets with them, and we, we kind of see, like, a sad kind of depressing note about how in reality how her life is really like and we actually get to see Macy in a more assertive and confident way which we've never seen before and it's so refreshing and we also get to see Carl in a more different way as well because we always see him as the tough kid but he actually does get scared and he has to conquer his fear which is fantastic it's a different change of pace and uh, and also, you know, with Hoodsy, you know, Hoodsy's always as good for a laugh. And we also get to learn from, you know, Ginger's perspective that, you know, her trying to fix everything just, I mean, there's some things that we can't fix. And, you know, with her learning that lesson, I think it's very important. So I give this one a yay. And her house. Macy's house. Yes, uh, Macy's house is great. Absolutely. Oh, her, her bed is like sunken into the floor. It's, it's so like, cool. It's so fantastic. Oh, it's so groovy, mid-century, house. Eames, so and you know it's just so great i love it yeah i love that too this one is also a yay for me yay it's all around for all the reasons you guys said and also because i'm a sucker for a 
smooth A and B plot intersection, and this episode does that pretty flawlessly with, you know, the naked mole rat arriving at the party, bringing Carl there. You know, he runs by Courtney, and she goes, who was that masked man? <laughs> like, she's just so awestruck by him. I loved that moment. And uh, the show does such a great job of portraying how kids talk to adults and the many different ways that different kids talk to different adults. And for that alone, introducing the parents and, like, the way Ginger talks to them versus the way that Macy talks to them. Super interesting and loved this episode. All right. Well, that should be the end of this episode. So, yeah, um, Paul, Jackie, thank you so much for coming on by. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, let us, know, let us know what's uh, coming up for you guys. Uh, where can people find you at? Anything to plug or self-promote? Well, uh, it's too bad we didn't do this last week. We just did our, our uh, own show called uh, Living Paul and Jet. What's it called? Jackie and Paul Living the Lie. Uh, it's a sketch show. We did it with Dave Foley. We uh, had a bunch of uh, guests pop in, and uh, it was a great night. Yeah, we so, sold out. It was a fun time, and I think we're going to do it again. Yes. Wow. And Wow, I mean, uh, that's awesome. Maybe, you know, maybe sometime, like, far into the future, if I ever do visit L.A., I'd love to see one of your shows. Yeah, that'd Absolutely. be awesome. That'd be great. Um, yeah, so that's it, everybody. So tune in next week as we uh, discuss about episode 34. So hope to see you around soon, and thank you for listening. Hey.